Welcome, Disciple Makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies six main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long for ongoing training in your ministry area. This year's conference features keynote speakers Fred Luter, Michael Catt, Todd Bolsinger, and Robbie Gallaty, as well as online and in-person regional events. Learn more at www.thesparkconference.com. We also have learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast or podcast. Welcome, friends, to our Georgia Baptist Discipleship family. I have two incredible leaders with me today, and you are going to want to watch until the end because there just may be a special giveaway of a really cool swag pack that we're going to give away, but you'll need to wait till the end so we can share with you how you can get entered into that. First thing about Jim Allen, he is the Senior Vice President for the World Champion Atlanta Braves, and he has served in the Braves organization for over 23 years. Listen, the guy has completed an Ironman, six marathons, in addition to all of the executive duties with the Braves organization. He also serves as an elder at the Perimeter Church here in Georgia. And we had the privilege of meeting back, um, I guess, last fall at one of our learning community leadership retreats. And I'm just telling you, he was such a blessing uh, to visit with and to know what is happening there in that organization. So we're glad to have Jim on. And we also have Jay McSwain. He's the president and founder of Place Ministries, where he has served thousands of churches over the last 30 plus years. He's an author, a national speaker. Um, he's served in churches of 10 people all the way to over 9,000 people. And he's widely known as an expert in local assimilation. So Jay currently serves as pastor of discipleship at First Redeemer Church. And he has the super cool opportunity to have played for the 1980 UGA National Championship football team. So this whole championship idea is not new to him, but he also currently serves the Braves organization as chaplain for, let me say it again, the world champion Atlanta Braves. Jim and Jay, welcome to our family. Glad to be here. Thank you. So good. Well, let me give a, a reminder to our audience here. Uh, we've got a, a collection of resources we want to give away, so make sure that you leave a comment and you'll get entered into that. Um, and like I said before, as a special treat, if you share the broadcast, you just may get a swag pack, and I don't know, I may even get you a bobblehead or something, but uh, seriously, Jim and I are going to work together. We're going to provide Atlanta Brave swag pack, so make sure you comment and share. Guys, let's jump in. Jim, let me start with you, because winning the World Series must have been a lifetime highlight. I mean, that is what, guys, in your organization, that's what you hope for, you pray for, that's what you build for decades for that kind of team. So can you tell us what it's like to win, to be a part of that organization, and maybe a behind-the-scenes memory or experience that most of us never get to see? Well, it, it was a special time for sure. And every year we go into spring training and, you know, there's 30 teams in Major League Baseball. We all have the same goal, and that is to win a, a world championship. And uh, 
Unfortunately, only one team gets to go home at the end of the year happy with regards to uh, to what they've accomplished uh, in winning that prize. But uh, I was fortunate. I actually was was here in 1995 when the Braves won the world championship. Then uh, it's been a long time since then. So uh, we've had a lot of really good teams that haven't quite been good enough to, to, to win it. But uh, this was just a special year. Uh, we had a lot of injuries and a lot of things that we had to overcome. And it was just a great group of people working together and playing together in a way that, uh, that ultimately won the big prize. So uh, very, very cool, not just for me, but really for everybody involved with the Braves organization, all the way down to our fans. Uh, you know, they, they've supported the team for a long time and, uh, and they get to ha- share in the excitement and the, uh, the enthusiasm of, of winning a world championship. So uh, as far as stories go and kind of behind the scenes, uh, there's, there's probably a million of those. Uh, I'll throw out a couple real quick ones. Uh, so during the playoff run, if you will, uh, as we were going through, uh, there was a couple times where we were late in games, we were either tied or we were down and there was a specific in baseball, we're all very superstitious. Uh, and I know that that may not go uh, well with this conversation from a faith perspective, because we all know that God at the end of the day is in control, but uh, we're very superstitious. But there was a specific place that me and one of my coworkers would go. And we, we were there when, uh, when we won a game at the last minute, a walk-off home run. And so the next two times back, actually the next two games, we had walk-off hits and literally we went to that same exact place and made sure that we were eating the same things, drinking the same things, making sure that, <laughs> you know, we were doing our part from a superstitious perspective to, uh, to will the Braves to, uh, to, to victory. Um, awesome. and then I was fortunate. I, I was, I was able to go uh, up to Houston for game six. So uh, it was just really special to be there when we won it. Uh, we had a really uh, unbelievable celebration after that uh, with the team and all the families and a bunch of folks from the organization. It was just a special time to be able to, to really enjoy and commemorate uh, a great season. Yeah, that's awesome. And so one of the things that's important to us, we talk about culture a lot you know, and creating a disciple-making culture in our churches. And I've said this before on this broadcast, that in my opinion, unhealthy churches with a lack of disciple-making presence is the unpaid bill of the 20th century. So we're dealing with it. We're having to figure out some solutions to, to where we've come from. And that's not throwing a dart because I'm part of that. I was a leader in that era. So, but you guys are opposite because you've built a winning culture, a world championship culture. And it really does have a lot to do with putting the right people in the right seats and the culture you big and you build in the clubhouse and perception and all that sort of thing. So can you, can you maybe just shoot, talk to us a little bit about how you've tried to build the culture that would allow you to be successful? Well, uh, you know, as I said, only one team really gets to win at the end of the year. So uh, we've had a lot of years where we haven't left that last game feeling like the champions that we felt like this year. Uh, and so from a leadership perspective and culture to me, that's, that's what it's all about from, a, an organization and a leadership standpoint is trying to build that culture. And, 
you know, we believe in working hard excellence in what we do. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, from a faith perspective, you, you, if you've done everything that you can do, you, you, you put everything in God's hands at that point from that perspective. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I tell people all the time that hope is not a strategy. I hope we win. I hope we're successful. You know, hope is a good energy magnifier, but you got to have a plan in place and you guys have built the right culture so that you could win. Now, Jay, let me let me visit with you just a second, because, you know, your story being the, the chaplain for the Braves, that's just a super cool designation. But you left a family business and, and honestly, it was one of the largest and most lucrative construction companies in the nation. And you left that to pursue ministry. And now you have your hands in all kinds of ministries, place ministries, the first redeemer, chaplain for the Braves organization. Can you share with us, you know, why would a guy leave, you know, this uh, set, easier, perhaps type of lifestyle and go into ministry? And what led you to this opportunity with the Braves? Yeah. Well, let me let me say first of all, Scott. Um, Jim probably felt a lot younger in your introduction of him. Uh, Jim, <laughs> I think it is what thirty-one years with the Braves. Is that right? It is. Okay, oh, I, I think I heard twenty-three, and uh, I think I, I knew that Jim had gone over thirty, and I thought it was thirty-one. So you probably take me for, younger. I'll take you, being younger anytime I can. that's awesome thanks for the correction there i'll have to note that in my notes um well scott you know parents sometimes know us better than we know ourselves and my mother i'll never forget uh back in the late 80s and yes i am dating myself now i had a tragedy in my life i had i had gotten committed my life to christ my freshman year at georgia uh, went straight to seminary, started working in churches, and I had a tragedy in the late 80s, and I ended up getting out of vocational ministry, mm. and I went to work in my family's business, and I'll never forget how many times my mom said to my wife, Jay will never be happy until he gets back involved in ministry, mm. and while I loved uh Working in that family business, my offices are still in that family business that my brother reminds me I never go to, but I do have a pretty nice office. By the way, with a lot of Braves paraphernalia, there you go. People like Jim have given me through the years, but I I worked in it. Um, I, I wouldn't say I was miserable, but you know, I love reading. I mean, I read profusely. Uh, when I was in the construction business with my family, I think I read two books in nearly 10 years. I just, it, it, I, I didn't go to bed thinking about construction. I, I didn't wake up thinking about construction. And it's a, when you asked me the story, it was like, I wanted to say, now, how long is this podcast? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a lot of story in it, but in 1995, Uh, My wife and I were going to a very large church here in Atlanta, and I was the poster child pew sitter. I mean, I did nothing. I began to rationalize that, you know, I'd make a lot of money and give money, and that'd be my way. And our family has been very fortunate to Mm. be able to give to a lot of different things that we believed in, but I didn't do anything. 
And in 95, I got back involved in the church, working with young single adults in our church here in Atlanta. And um, in September of 1995, I, I wore a bracelet on my hand since 1995. And it has the verse that changed the entire course of my life, Matthew 16, 25. And it is where Jesus said, we'll find our life as we give it away. And, you know, that's a promise from God. And I help a lot of young single adults see that if we would give it, we would find it by getting involved in our church and our community. And boy, did we. And I mm. left the family business. Last thing about it, I, I'll never forget my brother in 1995, he 1996, right before I went to start our foundation that we have, my brother walked into my office. It was over by perimeter. It was in a high rise overlooking the city. And my brother walks in about 5, 530 in the afternoon. And he said, Jay, I can't believe you're going to do this. You're going to leave this business and in this city and our profession you're somebody, you're going to leave and you're going to be nobody. He mm. said, Jay, you have a life of luxury. He said, you work 20, 25 hours a week. You play tennis four or five days a week in the middle of the day. And you're going to walk away for a life of, of uncertainty. And all I can remember saying to him, Keith, I don't know exactly what the future holds, but I do know that God is calling me to do something different with my life. And, you know, I'm grateful that my brother and sister, they go out of town differently than I do. And they live a lot different life than I do, but I have never had one day that I've regretted the decision to give my life away by helping other people discover how to give their lives away. Never Gosh. had a day. So thanks. That's for so good. That. And Jay, uh, you know a little bit about my story. Jim may not. You know, I resonate so deeply with that because Elizabeth and I, you know, we were serving one of the healthiest churches in Louisiana, was said it was a kind of forever kind of place. And we literally were building our forever home. And the weekend we were supposed to move in that house is the weekend that I moved to Georgia. You know, people ask me all the time, why in the world would you do that? And I tell them, the uh, last guy I know that ran from God got eaten by a fish. So I'm, so I'm out on that, you know. But guys, thanks for sharing that story, Jay. And of course, now you're, you know, you're sharing with the Atlanta Braves organization. You're able to have a gospel impact there. And then, and then throughout that, um, is, there a, is there a story? Is there something that you could share with us of maybe quickly of how you got into that, the Braves organization? Because it seems, it seems like a, not a natural process to go from a construction company to becoming a, a chaplain in a professional baseball organization. Well, when, when my wife and I first left the family business, we ended up moving to San Francisco and we became full-time volunteers at what is now Gateway Seminary, but was Golden Gate yeah. Seminary at the time, one of our Southern Baptist seminaries. And through that being involved at, at Golden Gate, um, they had a transition into a new president, uh, Jeff Ord. Some of you may know Dr. Orge, but he and I became friends and he asked me to serve on his board. At, and I did for 10 years at Golden Gate and he served on my board during those 10 years. And during that time, Jeff was the chaplain for the San Francisco Giants. 
And he called me up one day. I was actually in Austin at a church and he called me up and he said, Jay, the guy that has been with the Braves for a lot of years is transitioning to be a full-time pastor. And would you like me to recommend you? And I said, yes. And uh, it was the first time in a long, long time that I interviewed for a job Hmm. and uh, ended up, uh, I came in and worked with an organization called Baseball Chapel, which does all the chapels for players throughout even minor leagues. And I did that for two years and then transitioned out. Now, I'm going to brag on the Atlanta Braves. This is not a brag on Jay McSwain because I did not make this decision. The Atlanta Braves organization did. After two years, I'd gotten involved with Jim and we'd started doing some Bible studies with another one of the vice presidents in the organization. And I, I sat down with our president and talked about what my role would be with beyond working with players. And um, I came, this is starting my 12th year. And I started, and I'm proud to say that, not me, because I didn't make it, but the Atlanta Braves are the only organization in baseball that has a chaplain that serves under the organization and works beyond just players, but with game day staff. Uh, I'm part of a Bible study that Jim oversees with our front office, and it's a uh, it, 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 it's been an incredible uh, privilege to be, get to go every time I go to the stadium and minister, but even beyond the stadium with people yeah. that I get to do life with. So, yeah. And i tell you I what I love it. about both of y'all's story is you're going through doors that the Lord is opening. You're not trying to knock down doors that are closed and the Holy Spirit of God is directing your path. And and, and Jim, this, this goes into a second question I want us to talk about here, because this whole idea of integrating faith and gospel impact into a secular marketplace is personal to me because I watched my dad do this growing up. So he was a salesman, you know, started his own business. We lost just about everything we owned in the first three years. It was oil and gas. It was, a, it was an industry where it's not OK to display your Christian values. But I can remember as a high schooler working in the back, sandblasting, painting vows, and I'd walk in and he'd be talking to a guy from Maine or the panhandle of Texas or Washington State. And he said, man, I, I get what you're saying. Can I share with you something I learned in my Sunday school lesson yesterday? Man, he did that over and over. And I watched him do this. And I'm just going to tell you, we, we lost everything when we, when we started it. And then 30 years later, when he sold the business, he had 25 people working for him. So God honored that. So Jim, let me just throw this to you. How in the world do you integrate that, that faith and have gospel impact in a secular marketplace when it rarely is Christian friendly to have that kind of worldview? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. It's a secular business that, uh, that I work in, uh, undoubtedly. Uh, but I think, you know, when you live your life a specific way and when I mean, we're all called as Christians to share our faith. And so... You know, if you live your life in a particular way and uh, you build relationships, obviously the people you work with, you you have relationships with those individuals and uh, and where you have those opportunities. And, and I'll be the first one to admit I've I've not always been great with this and I'm still not great with it. Uh, 
I'm getting better, maybe is a good way to put it. Uh, but, you know, Jay, Jay's been, Jay undersold himself a lot. Uh, he's been a phenomenal uh, part of our organization. Having him be a chaplain for the organization is a really, really important thing. So um, the time and, and energy that he devotes to me and others within the organization uh, is something that we're very thankful and appreciative of. Uh, so as Jay kind of alluded, we actually, uh, we've done different things over the years and there was times where it was me, Jay, and another individual. And I've been part of a discipleship group, uh, actually through perimeter, which discipleship is life on life. Discipleship is a big thing for a perimeter church. And I've Mm -hmm. been a part of a men's group, uh, as far back as I can ever remember. And I will always be a part of a group just because how important it is to me, uh, personally, but also to invest in others. And I just think that it's something that as a Christian, we all should be doing, but, uh, and I don't remember how long ago, but, uh, I just felt called that we needed to start a discipleship group here at the Braves. And Mm. it literally started with me, Jay, and one other individual. And it was amazing how quickly that became a much bigger group. I think we've got 13 folks in our discipleship group now. And it, it expanded rapidly because there were people here within the organization that were craving and wanting exactly that. And, uh, you know, we're all on our journey. We're all on our walk. And it's just neat to be able to be in a workforce where you know that you've got brothers and sisters in Christ that you, you know, are locked arm in arm uh, with. And, you know, we, we joke around. It's, it's probably not a great thing to, uh, to even joke around about. But we spend so much time at work that, uh, you know, it's, it's important for us to be able to live our faith out uh, in everything that we do. And I would say, especially, you know, in our workforce, because we we're here a lot and we, we have a lot of time and energy, but also we have a lot of relationships that we can, uh, we can take advantage of from that perspective to share that. Yeah. And I want to double click on something real quick, Jim, because you mentioned uh, of starting this and you felt the need to do that. Um, I, I just had a conversation with my son. I told him the same thing. I said, son, the, the world is looking for leadership. They're just looking for people who will take the first step to do something, to start something. And then what you'll find is the remnant of folks who wanted to do that. They just didn't take, they just didn't have what it took to take the initiative to start it. So that's what I love about your story there with the Braves, Jim, is that you you wanted to start this discipleship group and you didn't know how it was going to go or what kind of gospel impact that would have. So, man, thanks for doing that. Now, let me let me ask a follow-up question here. Is there a specific maybe spiritual victory or a, or a win within the organization that stands out? Would you would you point to that discipleship group or maybe is there a relationship that you can think of? You say, you know, this is something that really developed and it's phenomenal. Yeah, I would just say uh, I won't call any 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 individual out specifically, sure. if you will. But uh, there's definitely ones that I would say uh may not have been strong in their faith uh 
or had fallen away from the faith that mm. felt like, you know, God was kind of prompting them to, to get back in and to live a life that, uh, that they should be living. And, uh, you know, when we talk about discipleship, we want it to be that life on life discipleship. It's, uh, you know, there's Bible study attached to it, but that's not what it's really about. It's really about investing in each other's lives. And, mm. uh, Jay knows as, 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 uh, as recently as yesterday, we had, uh, we had our, our discipleship group and, uh, you know, things are shared in there that, uh, you know, are things that people are going through. And, uh, I love the fact that I've got, I've got folks that will speak into my life and allow me to speak into their life to, to make sure that we're living out, uh, what God would really want us to be living out. Well, that's great. Now, Jay, you know, making the shifts that you made in life, you know, that doesn't come easily and there had to be some major influences. So is there a, is there a person that you would say, this is the greatest influence in my life, you know, that has led me to these gospel, you know, marketplace ministry. And do you have a win or a spiritual victory that you would point to, you know, not with a specific player, but maybe with players or within the organization of how God has used you in this chaplain role? Yeah. You, you know, I could go on and on about those. I, I mean, moments that if you want to call them wins or victories, but you know, during the World Series, uh, there was uh, one of our greeters. I have a, I took a picture with him. Uh, people are going crazy, and he. It, and it's surprising some of the people there that work um, as greeters what they do outside of the Braves. And yeah. he'd been a pretty high level executive, and but he loved baseball and wanted to be around it. Well, four years ago, after I, I took the picture of us and he sent me the next day and said, I just want to remind you that uh, four years ago, you helped me get involved with a Celebrate Recovery group over in Marietta. And he said, I, I've been sober. Yesterday was my four-year anniversary of being no no drinking. And he, he said, I'll never be able to say thank you. I, I, I think about one of our former pitchers who uh, never wanted to come to chapel. He said, you don't ask me to pray, are you? He said, the other <laughs> guy, I went one time and he asked us, where, and, and long and short, I, I helped him. I, I, I led him to Christ and he ended up going and playing with another team. And the day before he left to go with that team, he and I spent five hours and talked mm. about his eternal security uh, where he would spend eternity, and he and he went to heaven, but he made a bad decision um, about a year later and lost his life. And I did his funeral, and being able to stand up and know where he was based on our discussions, and then another player, um, I got to help lead him to Christ, baptized him in the Jordan River. And uh, next week, I'm actually going to his house, a piece of property that, that he bought. And he's looking at, after baseball, building an assisted living place uh, for older adults. And we're walking that property next week. Awesome. Pray. So I could, I could go on and on. Yeah. They're just, 
and again, I could talk about things in the group with Jim and just, I mean, Jim could too, but. Yeah. You know, and I love, I love how you guys both recognize the influences in your life. Now God has given you influence in others. And it reminds me of a quote from Ken Adams, a guy, Jim, that was speaking at that event where I first met you. He said, those who drink the water must remember those who dug the well. You know, for, mm-hmm. so for all of us who are, are doing anything of, of substance in the, in the world for gospel impact, there were people that were standing on their shoulders and who influenced us. Man, that's just so strong. So, Jim, let's transition so, here. Can I answer that question real quickly that you asked me when I got? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. You, you asked me the influence and uh, I thought about that. It, it was my spiritual father hmm. um, who led me to Christ my first year of college, 1979. He was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Vidalia and he died in 1994. And for those of you that are preachers out there, I don't want to disappoint you. I do not remember one sermon he ever preached, but I remember the hundreds of times over about a five-year period, I'd come home from college. Every time I came home, we had a two-mile run down Church Street and Jackson Street, and so much of who I am today those conversations that we would have during those runs and and the things he poured into me, never forget telling me, Jay, no matter where you go in life, there will always be three temptations, sex, money, and peer pressure. Mm -hmm. He said, it doesn't matter what you achieve, where you go. You, if you don't guard against those, you can very likely fall, but Grady Rohn, um, again, he died in 1994. His wife asked me to do his funeral, and to this day, it is the greatest honor I've ever had was to stand up and honor the man who changed eternity for me. So, gosh, that is so good. I'll I'll try not to be emotional on that one. Oh, I bet so. That is so good. Thanks for sharing that. And and Jim, you know, as we as we transition here to a, a topic of. I want to talk about professional players and it's really associated with where Jay, Jay was headed with that because it's investment and, you know, professional players, you, you're watching them manage family, manage faith, manage their professional life. So I, I want to ask you and, and Jay, I'd love for you to chime in on this as well. How, how, what, what kind of words would you say to those leaders, even like myself, I still got a 10 and 11 year old at the house who are trying to pr- prioritize faith and family and professional life and even sports, right? I've never seen a, a culture like this travel ball that I see in Georgia. I mean, there are like a hundred travel teams, you know, I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, there's this pressure for, for leaders that you got to do this and your, your son's three years old and he's got to know how to hit a curveball, you know, that kind of thing. What kind of, what kind of advice or as you have watched for decades now, would you say to just just us men, leaders who are trying to manage faith and family and all of that? Well, obviously, uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, that your faith has to come first. And I love nothing more than, you know, when you see that athlete that is just one, whatever it is, whether, you know, they won the World Series or, you know, you win, you know, a, a championship of anything. And they start out that conversation by thanking God, because at the end of the day, the only reason that they were able to have that success was because 
of him. And he, he gave them the gifts that they have in order to be able to be successful with regards to that. Uh, you know, I work in, I work in sales and Jay's heard me say this multiple times. Uh, you know, there's pressure in sales. What, in, obviously you and your background with your dad, you understand that. Mm-hmm. Like you have things that you're supposed to accomplish and, uh, and there's stresses that, uh, that come with trying to be successful with that. Uh, but as I've grown in my, uh, in my walk and in my relationship with Jesus, I realize that I don't, I don't have any control of the results. Hmm. And so, uh, at the end of the day, whether or not we're going to hit our budgets and hit our numbers, it's not up to me. You know, I have a role to play. I work hard. I put all the time and effort that I need to to be successful, but the results I don't control. And so it's been, it's been nice in the sense that you think about how your faith helps you along those lines that you don't have those stresses because you know that you're responsible for the effort and God is responsible for the results. And I would just say the same on, on the, on the, the, the plain side of sports, the same exact thing happens, whether or not that young kid that is playing travel ball is going to be good enough to go on and play professional baseball, you know, isn't really up to them. It's up to God. So if you've got your faith, you're going to be able to be comfortable with regards to that, whether you're successful in the things that you think the world wants you to be successful in. It's, it's really most important, obviously that you've got that faith. Gosh, that, that, that helps me, Jim. Thanks for sharing that, that it's my, it's up to me to give the effort and God to give to the results, which really, you know, points to the fact of where am I investing my time and my energy? You know, I I had a thought just this morning, I was thinking, you know, a guy can have a prayer breakfast with a hundred leaders and that's a good thing. And he can have influence there, or he can invest like, like you guys are doing in a small group of leaders who are going to, again, invest in other small group of leaders and the exponential effect of making disciples Gosh, that just makes uh, a world a ton of uh, sense, and it makes a world of difference. So, Jay, let me let me bounce to you here. Hey, Scott, as we, yeah, go ahead. I would say Jim said Jay has heard me say, and and he went in talking about the results are basically up to God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, I have heard that, and I actually heard it yesterday as Jim was talking to one of his top guys, and I could tell he, his his guy was stressing out over a deal or something. And, and I hear Jim almost, I I won't say every week, but almost every week, give that line that the results are not up to us. We do our part. And I I think if I'm going to walk away, if, if, if from Jim Allen and say there are two things that I've, I've gotten from Jim, it Hmm. is, he's one of the most positive people I've ever met in my life. The, the results are up to God. Uh, I hear that with him regularly. He believes it. And the other thing is, uh, Jim has the spiritual gift of hospitality, probably as high, you know, the Bible says one talent, two talent, and five talent. Yeah, He's a five talent spiritual gift of hospitality. And it is amazing that he 
to watch that gift being used in a place like the Atlanta Braves. So yeah, um, well, I, I get to see him living those things out at high level. So wow. yeah. And that means a lot coming from you, Jay, because I would say you're probably the highest level of hospitality giftedness that I've ever seen. So that's, well, that's good. Now let, let me, let me kind of bounce something to you, Jay, while you're still on, what would you say yeah. to our pastors who believe like me that, that they can increase gospel impact through marketplace ministry? Like, what would you say where to start? Like what's something they can do this week or this month to begin to invest in leaders that really make a difference in this marketplace ministry, like what you guys are involved in. Yeah. You know, people, if you've done a role, like I've had the privilege to do with the Braves, everybody, you know, asked me a lot, how, how do you do that? You know, I want to do what you do. And, you know, I, I'll never forget Dennis Glover. Uh, when I got involved with young single adults, he was the lead soloist for my pastor who had one of the largest television ministries in the country at the time. And I knew music was big to young single adults. And I went to Dennis and I said, Dennis, would you help lead our worship time in our Bible study every Sunday morning? And he said, he asked me, yeah, I'd love to. You got, you got any equipment, sound equipment? And I went to the singles minister and he said, yeah, we, uh, we have a, a karaoke machine that we bought for $25 at a pawn shop. I'll never forget what Dennis Glover said to me. Never. Most, you know, musicians, how dare you offend me? He said, Jay, we will start where we are and move to where we want to be. Mm. And when we left that church to move to California, we, most churches would envy the equipment that we have. But I would just say, you know, I, I tell people all the time, if it's a high school team that you want to be a chaplain of, then go seek it out. I'm, I'm a, Scott talking a lot right now. I know your kids are involved in Buford High School. Yeah. And I'm talking to our basketball coach about beginning to invest in the basketball players there and, and walking them through understanding who they are. Hmm. Uh, that's you know, they, they obviously have a high, they perform really high in, in high school sports, but I just wish that people, it, it, it wouldn't be whether the platform is big or not, but they would figure out what they're passionate about and wherever that platform takes them. If it's to one person, if it's to whatever, that they would step into that uh, and not look at what are the external things around them, but where does they feel, where do they feel God's calling them? Yeah, and not look at what the world thinks of it, but where they feel like they can make an impact. That would be my advice. Solid, solid advice. Sounds so much about your story and mine as well. Now, Jim, let me give you last word. Any final words that you would of encouragement or challenge that you would leave? with our, um, our viewers? No, I just, I appreciate this opportunity to, uh, to be able to speak into this and kind of share a little bit about what we've done here. I'm, I'm thankful for what you do. I'm thankful for what Jay does. Uh, you know, people who don't work in the ministry on a, on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like you know, we don't have the impact and we don't that, that, that people in the ministry do, but, uh, 
we all play our part. And I love the fact that obviously you're highlighting that and, uh, and calling that out and, uh, and, you know, just trying to make sure that people realize that we can, we can do our own ministry wherever we are and the people that we connect with, whether that be in the workforce, whether that be with our neighbors, whether that be, you know, at the, at the church itself. Solid. Love it. Now, uh, Jay, we didn't get a chance to talk a lot about place ministries today. So I want to get you back and let you, and let's download that because place ministries is one of the best tools I've ever seen to help churches assimilate people into the church and get them serving, get them equipped. So um, how can, how can folks find you um, and, and maybe learn more about place ministries? Yeah. So if you go to placeministries.org and ministries is plural, uh, that's our website and love for you to reach out to me. My email address is simply J J A Y at placeministries.org. Either way cool. you can grab, get me. Yeah. Sounds great. Now leaders, let me, let me focus in just a second with you. I was telling my brother last week that we've all been forced to fly blindly these last two years. And my brother, Mike, is a pilot, he has his pilot's license. And he mentioned something to me that I wanted to share with you as we close out today. He said, Scott, on an airplane, there's an instrument panel that has a mechanism called an attitude indicator. And he said, it helps you self-assess to know where you are in relation to the horizon. You know, this horizon is set and it lets you know where you are and your bank angle and to clarify your approach to landing. And it is the pilot's self-awareness tool. He said, Scott, the attitude indicator helps you land successfully and avoid the crash. And friends, listen, that sounds a whole lot like God's word and Holy Spirit guidance to me mm. as an attitude indicator. And there are, there are two things we know for sure. We are to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And that is why I'm so grateful for Jim and Jay and what they're doing, because everything we do has to fit into that paradigm. And listen closely. In my opinion, the greatest gospel force on the planet is not the preacher in the pulpit. It's the lay person in the pew that is being equipped to serve by the preacher in the pulpit. Let me say that again, because I don't want you to miss this. The greatest gospel force on the planet is not the preacher in the pulpit. It's the lay person in the pew who is equipped to serve by the preacher in the pulpit. And marketplace ministry, marketplace leaders, marketplace chaplains are an incredible opportunity to help us finish the task of making disciples of all nations. Jim Allen, Jay McSwain, thank you guys for joining me today. You both are a joy to hang out with and to get to know. Thanks for being here. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Now to our listeners, uh, we want to make sure that you do get entered into this drawing for the Atlanta Braves swag pack. So make sure you comment, share the broadcast, and you'll get entered. And Atlanta will let us know who wins that. John Graham, Lana Melton, thanks for producing. And I want to remind everybody that we're only able to do this broadcast because you guys give generally uh, to the cooperative program. So thanks for doing that. Now I pray that today's discussion with Jim and Jay will challenge, equip, and inspire you to invest in marketplace ministry leaders that make a world impact in discipleship. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. 
We also want to give you a free gift. The five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple-makers.